it is a difficult conversation to have with clients because um, sometimes clients, obviously, they're not going to be receptive to you being like, hey, your dog's fat. They don't want to be told that they're doing anything wrong, which can be really, really hard to discuss. everyone. Welcome to the With a Dog podcast. Every week we interview veterinary professionals, dog trainers, cool pet products, and some game-changing dog parents. So basically, we cover everything life with a dog. And I'm one of your co-hosts, Carly. And I'm Izzy. And in this episode, we're talking overweight dogs. And you're going to learn how to figure out correct serving sizes for your dog meals, how to start the weight loss journey safely, how to tell if your dog is fat, and tips and tricks for weight loss that goes way beyond just eat less and exercise more. How to tell if your dog is fat. Yeah, (laughs) basically. Is your dog an Oompa Loompa? Listen to this episode. (laughs) Love it. Is your dog big boned? Chonky. He's a chonky boy. (laughs) Chonkers. Um, Cool. So that's this interview. Little dog mom update. What's happening in your dog mom life, Izzy? Uh, so I woke up in the middle of the night to this noise that I thought was explosive diarrhea. So I wake up. <laughs> That's like, <laughs> it's either, if there's ever a noise that's going to wake you up, I feel like it's either like your dog the dry wanting wretch. to go out. Yeah, or the, <laughs> or the barf, or the, the diarrhea would be an extreme case. It, yeah, I would, I woke up in shock, like go mode, adrenaline pumping, switched the light on, woke husband up, scoured the whole room. And I was like, there's diarrhea somewhere. <laughs> um, There wasn't diarrhea anywhere. There was just Arthur just sitting there staring at me like I was some weirdo, like lifting everything up and looking underneath it. Like he managed to pick up a pillow and then poo underneath it and cover it back up. <laughs> I feel like if he actually had gone, you would have smelled it. Yeah, you would think that, but it was also two in the morning. I'd like just woke up and was just, it was like a war zone. Like I just knew that I had to get out. And um, then I realized that he probably just walked into, you know, the little spring things at the back of the door that stop it from bashing into the wall. Oh, yeah. So we have one of those. And I think he just walked into it and it went doing. And I heard it as. Um, so yeah, that happened this morning and then I just went back to bed. <laughs> Called it oh a day. Oh my god. This is okay, to me, this is like the whole reason we started the podcast is to record <laughs> those neurotic, like dog parent moments. That <laughs> you're just like I feel like I've had so many of those with Lupin and I was like, I'm gonna remember this forever, and then the next one happens and I forget. Mm. And oh my god. Yeah. Great. So no so, but good news. No diarrhea. No diarrhea. Yeah. Did have some vomit today, though. So Drink every time we say diarrhea on this <laughs> intro. <laughs> so that was me. How about you? Uh, nothing Nothing as dramatic as that. Um, <laughs> Albie has been... I've been continuing his training, just mm-hmm. in general training, not just car training. So I realized that with Lupin, we were constantly out and about with him. Mm. And not necessarily his whole life with us, you know, like... It was more just in the last few years we've been taking him places. But because of COVID, we haven't taken Albie anywhere. And 
I just feel like he needs that socialization. Yeah. Yeah. He's very, I mean, he is super friendly to everyone, kids, people, other dogs, whatever. Um, He's pot- fully potty trained, you know, so I'm not worried that he's like going to go potty inside somewhere or whatever. But I just feel like I want him to experience more places. So like going to Home Depot where they're dog friendly and yeah. or like Lowe's or um, this time we went to Barnes & Noble. And so that was so awesome to see him in that environment. First off, I'm a huge book nerd. And so I just like was piling up books on the ground (laughs) that I was going to read through, like to look and see if I wanted to buy them. And he just laid down next to me while I was doing that, or he would just like sniff around. Um, He went in an elevator for the first time. Mm -hmm. Very scared. But he he went back in to go down. So that was oh, good that's for him. Good. Yeah, so he he was scared at first, but then w- kind of got over it. It was also the first time that he'd looked down. Like, they had, like, a second level, and mm. you can, like, look down onto the first level. Mm. And that was the first time he'd ever been in that kind of situ- situ- yeah, situation where he was looking down. So he was really nervous at first going up to the ledge, but then he was fine. Oh. I know. So, so proud. I know. I'm so proud. So I got cute little pictures with him in Barnes & Noble for the gram. And <laughs> I did. I took it. Well, your life was... is so Instagrammable. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm here like, diarrhea! <laughs> no, it was just, it was more, it was super cold and rainy that day. I was mm. like, I'm not going to exercise you. And then I was like, oh, you need to be trained. That's why I'll take you to the bookstore. <laughs> <laughs> it's more just an excuse. But yeah, so that was fun. And I look forward to doing more of that kind of training with Albie. Great. Yeah, I don't think there's anything else that's really happened. Lupin's still chugging along. Happy boy. They both got baths, got their teeth brushed. So that was good. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, um, I think that's it for our life update. Um, Yeah. Let's move, move on, on to the topic for today. Jessica is who we interviewed, and she's amazing. I really love talking to her, mainly because I don't think the topic as a whole is taught much and talked about much um, within the industry and just within pet parents themselves. Um, And I think if we did talk about it more often, then we wouldn't see so many fat dogs and people would be more confident buying pet food because it's so confusing out there. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we've both worked in the veterinary field and we- still get confused. Yeah, exactly. Like we still get confused and we also have seen numerous really fat dogs come in mm-hmm. to the office indeed <laughs> i really loved that she broke down the serving sizes as mm. well for your dog because i think yes i mean i've got two large dogs and on the back of the of their food it's like 60 to 80 pounds two to four cups and you're like okay you <laughs> know what does that even mean so, yeah and then you have to guess like oh i'll just go with three and see what happens exactly exactly and mm. so and it depends on like their activity level and all of that. So she broke down how to actually figure that out, like how many calories your dog needs, um, like as a baseline, and then you can kind of jig- rejig it as you need for like their exercise and where they are in their life stage. So really awesome on that. And then um, she also mentioned we also covered how to how to make sure your dog is just living a more active lifestyle in general. So just being more active throughout the day, which I found really important because I have two lazy hound dogs who 
if they're exercised, if they had their big exercise for the day, they will literally lay around for the whole day, <laughs> for the rest of it. They will not try to entertain themselves whatsoever. It's basically what I do. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I'm done. I can be lazy. I need ice cream all day now. Exactly. So she told us all, we can all take a yes. learning from that on how to be more active. <laughs> yeah, how to be more active. And just a little bit more about Jessica. Um, so she is a registered veterinary nurse and animal nutritionist that blogs all about things pet nutrition to educate pet parents and veterinary professionals on how to improve the lives of pets through appropriate diet. Her mission is to empower consumers on how to make the right choices when choosing pet foods, which we love. Let's bring Jessica on. So Jess, thank you for being here today. If you could just let us know or let the listeners know who you are and your credentials and a little bit about yourself and what you do. Um, yeah, so look, I'm a veterinary nurse, a registered veterinary nurse and an animal nutritionist. Um, I'm based in Australia, in Melbourne, um, and I pretty much have sort of 10 years experience in the veterinary field. Um, I specialized, well, I, I'm studying towards specializing in nutrition at the moment. Um, and I also have a blog. Um, so I blog each week on nutrition topics, um, basically to educate pet parents and veterinary professionals um, on how to enrich the lives of dogs and, and cats um, through nutrition. Awesome. And what exactly, you said you're studying towards the nutrition right now. Why why'd you pick that specialty? Um, so look, pretty much my introduction into the vet field was um, one of my cats got um, blocked, which basically that means is they get um, urinary crystals and they can't pee. Um, and he was quite sick for probably a couple of weeks. Um, and that was probably when I was about 12. Um, and then I was like, oh my God, I want to be a vet um, as soon as that happened. So um, and the reason why I wanted to go into the vet field because of that was because I was blown away that basically his only treatment was nutrition. So we had to change his diet and he had to stay on that diet for the rest of his life. Um, he did relapse because our neighbor was feeding him chicken. Um, so it was just really interesting to me that um, nutrition could solve these problems that we have in veterinary medicine um, and, and literally fix medical conditions. Like he didn't need medicine. He just needed food, which was really cool to me. You know, now that you mention it, you know, you have all of these prescription diets, um, you know, urinary or you have the joint supplements or anything like that. But when you do think about it like that, it is quite amazing that like an actual medical condition can be fixed with just what you are eating. And I think that's something that is very often overlooked when it comes to other things like, um, you know, they're slowing down on their walks and, oh, look, you know, they they now have this issue with their, I don't know, with peeing coat or something or like something. that. Yeah. Like their yeah. skin and coat or something. Yeah, their skin and coat. Yeah. And yeah. people don't think that food and diet can contribute to that, but it absolutely can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Well, Today we have you on specifically to speak about pet obesity, weight management. Um, obviously, this is a dog podcast, but broadly for like a household pet. So in your professional opinion, do you think pet obesity and weight management is a problem in the dog community? Yeah, definitely. Um, I, like, I'm, I work full time, but I'm pretty much almost every day we have at, at least more than one um, patient that is obese or severely overweight anyway. Um, and, yeah, like they're always talking about, you know, he could probably lose a few kilos. Um, he does have, you know, he's carrying a bit of extra weight around his belly. Um, he does have joint problems, which we think 
caused by obviously that um you know it's going to be exacerbated by um him having excess weight um so yeah we're always talking to clients about it and um yeah and some of the stats that that are coming out of the US and coming out of Australia that 50% of dogs are overweight or obese um it's it's a huge issue that's insane to think that if you go to a dog park or something and that like 50% of the dogs that you see on your day to day are considered overweight because maybe occasionally you'll see like a really chubby yeah. corgi or something mm-hmm. and you'll be like, oh yeah. But it definitely makes me think that people don't know that people don't know if their dog is overweight. Yeah. yeah. And I think, I don't know why that is. I don't know why that information isn't widely known because I think when I've gone to see the vet, I think they've made it quite clear what you're looking for in your dog when they say, you know, oh, they need to lose you know, maybe five pounds or something like that. We want to see the the tummy tucked in. We want to look down above them and see that there's an indent. So I think they do make it quite clear on what they want to see, but I don't think there's any help getting there. It's like just reduce yeah. their food. Yeah, definitely. I think, well, I mean, sometimes that also a little bit begs the question is like, do they actually say that though? Maybe, maybe in your experience, maybe because you've presented that you work in the industry and are, you know, obviously like very invested in, but I wonder if, I wonder if some vets are hesitant to tell their clients, like your dog is fat. (laughs) And do you think that, do you think sometimes they have that issue because they get backlash? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it, we we talk about this all the time. Um, my vet pretty much is like, here you go. <laughs> um, he doesn't want to discuss it because of that backlash that you do get. But also, it is it is a difficult conversation to have with clients because um, sometimes clients obviously they're not going to be receptive to you being like, "Hey, your dog's fat." Um, they don't want to be told that they're doing anything wrong, which can be really really hard to discuss. You know, you can say like hey, you know, we could change the diet or reduce his food or blah, blah, blah. And people are like, oh, but I already cut down his food. I already did this. He's starving, blah, blah, blah. And it's like it, it's it's a very difficult conversation to have. And, and I think vets, they're, they're, not always, um, they're not always prepared. Like they don't have the resources to give to people and they don't have the time um, to sit and really have that discussion. And, and like you said, the follow-up um, is usually not there. Um, usually don't have time to sort of call them being like, Hey, how are you going? Have you cut down his food? Have you seen any improvement? Did you want to bring him in for a weigh? And there's there's just not the time. Um, yeah. And that's and that's where obviously in in my position with um, being a registered vet nurse, that's that's what I do. I do all of the follow up and, and all of that sort of thing. But yeah, again, it's few and far between for majority of of clients. Yeah, I think um, and maybe we're gonna we may try to have an episode on this down the road about just the veterinary field and the high suicide rate and like different things like that. Because I think with a a vet having to deal with all the things that they're already dealing with, you know, just trying to keep the animal healthy and cared for and, and then, you know, also charging the client and then the client's not happy about that. You know, like I think they get a lot of backlash for a lot of things. So I can understand how maybe your, your dog's overweight. Maybe can, Mm -hmm. they just sometimes gloss over. Yeah. 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 I can definitely see that. And I think it's, as you said, it's kind of, you don't want to tell someone that they're doing something wrong and that you don't want to imply that they're not looking after their pet because they are. And, you know, they, you know, love their dog very much. But 
a lot of people I think would be very defensive and be like, absolutely not. Yeah. 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 And I think it mirrors some of like today's society as well. You know, like obviously body positivity is a thing that I am all for. Um, but has that been mirrored in pets? Because you see that in, I mean, diets, you have people like grain free or, you know, my dog is on a paleo diet or something like that. So it's obvious that there's human society traits that do pass over to dogs. Mm-hmm. And is this body positivity, is that one of them? Yeah. So or just like the defensiveness. It's like, no, I love him as he is. Just like the body positivity. Yeah. I love myself as I am. Yeah. It it makes you question. Yeah. Um. So in your opinion, what do you, do you think, why do you think there are so many obese pets or overweight pets Um, in the US? Also, side question, is it the same in Australia? Yeah. So I, I think it is, it is pretty similar in Australia. Um, I, I do. I do think I think the fifty percent statistic is still pretty applicable to Australia. Um, I, I am having the discussion pretty frequently with people. I think it is it is quite a complicated issue as to why um, it's a it's a big issue. Mm-hmm. I think part of it part of it what's come out of um, me consulting with people. A lot of people don't know how much to feed, um, and I don't think it's just. Um, I think they think it's sort of one size fits all. Like I just feed him a cup. Um, but they don't understand that your pet is going to be different from the next pet. Um, and the the packaging on the back where it says, this is how much you feed for this weight, it's not always accurate. Um, and there's really no requirement for them to even put that on the bag. They kind of just put it on there as something for people to, as a guide. Um, but it's it's quite vague. So people are like, well, the bag says if I feed one cup, it's for a 16 kilo dog. But you look at the dog and the dog's like 50 kilos because it's just too high <laughs> in calories for that pet. And they're just it's just not not right. Um, and people leave that open to interpretation as well. Like they'll say, oh, one cup, but it, they might have a cup that's this big when, you know, you, you really should be having an actual measured cup or a certain amount of grams. They're just grabbing whatever cup and then scooping it in there, but it's not a measured amount. It's like a big um, water glass. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like one yeah. cup. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've I've had people pick up like a like a litter scoop and be like, Yeah, this is this is how much. I give him one scoop. And I'm like, that's massive. That's like four cups. <laughs> so, yeah, and, and and also um a bit with the body body positivity thing, I think you were saying as well. Um, it, it is a bit like that too. I think people see because the main thing that you see out there is overweight pets, they think that's normal. So then they look at their pet, who's an ideal weight, and think their pet's underweight. So then they overfeed them, whether that's consciously or not, because that's that's what they're modeling their pet off. Um, yeah. So, yeah, because we, we have a lot of people that come through and they're like, is he too skinny? And we're like, he's perfect. Don't feed him anymore. He's great. <laughs> Um, but because they never see, you know, like a skinny corgi or a skinny kelpie, they don't know what that looks like. So. Yeah, and you know what? I took Arthur into work um the other day and someone told me that he was looking skinny and I was like, he is in the ideal weight range, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But then in the back of my mind, I was like, is he too skinny? <laughs> Do oh, I yeah. need to feed him more? <laughs> no, exactly. I mean, if you think about it, would you rather have someone say to you, like, oh, your dog looks too skinny than your dog looks overweight? And it's like, Oof. I mean, this is a rhetor- like you don't have yeah. to actually answer like rhetorical, but but still, it's like I personally 
would be way more offended at the implication that I'm underfeeding and not caring for my dog yeah. than the yeah. implication of like, oh, maybe he's getting too many treats. Kind yeah. of yeah. like that yeah. distinction. 100%. Yeah. I would agree with that. Arthur Arthur is perfect, oh, is he? Don't he worry. He's perfect. <laughs> Although I did give him a few more pumpkin treats after that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. Speaking on the, the fact that you think people don't know how much to feed i guess that begs the question is like how do you figure that out i can't even figure that out for myself of how much to eat every (laughs) day (laughs) so i don't even know what would be right for the dogs either because you're right you just kind of go off the bag or you go Mm -hmm. off oh they're looking a bit skinny feed them a bit more oh they're looking a bit fat feed them a little less like Mm -hmm. yeah i don't know how do you how do you do that measurement i guess yeah, so there's, um, it's kind of a two-pronged thing. So like you were saying, he looks a bit skinny, he looks a bit fat. That's what we call body condition scoring. So we have a look at basically what their body shape is, um, and that's how we determine if they are ideal or overweight or underweight. Then the other thing is is that based on their life stage, so if they're an adult or if they're a puppy, um, you can then work out a calculation. So the calculation's pretty involved, <laughs> um, but it's basically body weight in kilos um, to the power of 0.75 times 70. That sounds like a bunch of gobbledygook, but it's actually <laughs> a really simple calculation. Um, and that gives you how many kilocals they need per day. And then you multiply that by a factor. So that factor is either for an adult, it would be um, 1.6 off the top of my head. Um, and for a puppy, it's times two. Um, so basically, you are adjusting how many calories they're going to get based on what they need, you know, whether they're super active or they're, they're you know, just a cat potato. Okay. So then that gives you your, your calories per day. And then you can then have a look at your bag. And usually your bag will say kilocals per cup. And then you just basically do some very basic long division. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then that, that gives you how many cups to give per day. I feel like I need to write that down. Do you have a blog yeah. post on that? Yes, I do. Okay. okay. We're we'll, going to link we'll it. add that in the show notes for all the people yeah. who want to go do the math. And yeah. I think, um, which I can get to, I, I saw a list from my someone at my work had showed me, um, but it was a list of all of the most common treats and how many calories that they have in. Mm. Yeah. And it was so surprising at the most common treats. And like Arthur can, I think his daily calorie amount ish is like 500 and one treat was like 100 calories yeah Yeah. and I was like that's a fifth of what he can have a day and I'm like that's that's a lot you know and I would if I didn't know better I'd probably give him like two or three yeah Mm -hmm. yeah because they're just not that big especially if you're doing like a little training or something yeah oh good job you know each time you hand that treat over yeah and it's like another big chunk of the calories yeah so it easily adds up for sure um, if you have your set diet, say they're feeding like a ridiculous amount, like four cups of food when they're meant to be feeding mm. two cups of food, what's the safe amount to reduce a dog's diet every so often? Yeah. So usually it's, um, we usually say drop by maybe only 1% of the food and you do that slowly over a few weeks. So I usually recommend if I'm, if I'm managing the patient in clinic, um, I usually say we're going to drop it by 1% and then we'll recheck in three weeks and see if you've lost weight. If you haven't lost weight, we have to decrease it again by 1%. And you keep going like that until you start to see results. So if you're seeing results at 
maybe two or three or four percent that you've dropped it down by, then you can stay at that amount and then keep going. Um, because obviously that's the right amount of food. Um, you don't want to like quickly drop it down to what they should be because sometimes sometimes people will go, oh well, okay, if this is what he should be getting, then I'll just feed him that and then he'll lose weight. And it's that's where you start to get problems where the pet will beg and beg and beg and beg and you end up feeding them heaps more than they were in the beginning and then they gain weight. And you're like, how did that happen? I cut his calories. Um, but you actually increased his treats because he was begging. So that's why you have to do it slowly and you have to kind of transition them into this like slow um, decrease of calories. Um, does it just come down to diet or does exercise play a huge role? in weight management as well yeah so it is a bit of both um the other thing is too is um before you even get to that also the pet's metabolism so some pets um they do burn a lot less calories than other pets it's it's just like people as well you have some people that just find it really hard to lose weight um, just because they have a slower metabolism so um, what i usually recommend is before you start changing the food or increasing their exercise, have a look, obviously have a chat with your vet, um, maybe do a blood test and just rule out any other underlying issues um, that can cause weight gain because there are medical conditions that can cause that as well. Um, and then obviously you can then look at doing a diet plan, which like you said, food is part of it. So have a look at the calories that are in the food um, because you may be overfeeding or underfeeding based on um, based on the feeding guide. Um, and then, yeah, have a look at the exercise. So with exercise, um, I think people get really worried that they're maybe not exercising their pet enough because they're not taking them for walks. Um, but walking is only one aspect of exercise. So other ways of exercising your pet are obviously playing with toys at home. Um, but I do also talk to people about enrichment toys. So um, have you ever heard of like licky mats or like Kongs and stuff like that? Yeah. Yeah. So um, basically those are really good ways of them burning calories while they're eating. <laughs> so it's kind of a two-pronged attack that way. They're not um, getting any extra calories because hopefully you've chosen a rather low-calorie treat to put on there um, and they're working for their food. So they are burning calories while they're doing it. And also for all the listeners, you can scroll on back about like five or six episodes, four episodes, I don't know, like a month or so. To our episode with Nina Audison, who does the work to eat toys and the puzzles. And you can, that is a great one, just like what you're talking about, Jess. Um, it's just they're working for their food a bit, yes. <laughs> burning calories at the same time. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, so, so it's not just about, okay, they did a full hour of running around the backyard. It's also just any and all type of activity that they do during the day does count yeah. into the balance. Yeah. Well, don't they say that chess players burn like a crazy amount of calories per hour? Do they? Yeah, they do. <laughs> I wonder if just by reading my favorite books, I'm <laughs> burning calories. Maybe. I mean, my yeah. little daydreams. I, I I'll count know. it. I'm going to start but counting it. <laughs> it goes, point being, playing chess is not very physical. But yeah, yeah I think they, I think they, trying to think about the article that i read i'm pretty sure they said they burn like 800 calories an hour or something like that it's something oh, wow. crazy yeah i think uh, so it sounds like it's overall just creating mm. a more active lifestyle for your dog and not in the yeah. way that necessarily is outdoors but just that they're moving consistently throughout the day and they're not just like yeah. sleeping all day and not yeah. interacting like no activity at all kind of thing yeah yeah 
So what can be some, or what tips do you have for pet parents who are trying to shed a few pounds off their dog? What can they do to at least start the process off? Yeah, so I always say, obviously, you start with food. So um, what are you feeding? Um, and have a look, again, on the calorie content. Um, but the other thing is is, is always assessing um, how much you're feeding, maybe do the calculation or ask a vet or a nurse to do the calculation for you so you know exactly how many calories you got. Um, and like you said before about treats, um, I always include treats still in my overall daily calorie amount, um, but I'm also picking treats that basically you can switch out. So if you're giving treats at the moment that are very high calorie, you can switch them out for stuff that's really low calorie. Um, so they're still getting there like, because obviously you, you're still going to get begging and everything like that, um, but you're going to be able to still um give them those treats that they're begging for but they're not getting the same calorie load so i usually say switch them out with like carrots um, apple slices um, like they even like zucchini and cucumber and celery anything pretty much crunchy and fresh um, is a really good treat that is pretty much zero calories Um, and you can switch that out with whatever their regular treats are if you're doing training um, there are training treats you can get that are specifically for training And they're like two calories and they're like a little kibble, but it's just something to give them because they're high reward. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and and that's another thing that you can use with your enrichment toys as well. You can fill them with training treats um, because again, it's it's probably maybe 20 calories out of their daily intake. um, So it's not going to affect anything and they're burning calories. So I guess following up with that, let's say someone is doing all these extra, you know, they're adding more activity into their dog's daily life. They're, you know, switching out the treats, things like that. How do they know if it's working? Um, Because like you mentioned the body condition scoring earlier. So it's like, can you tell us what is normal to see in a dog that would be like an ideal? Yeah. 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 So basically what um, Izzy mentioned before, which is you want to see that tummy tuck. So um, basically you want them to have a little bit of an hourglass figure when you're looking at them from, you know, top down. Um, You also, when you run your hands over their ribs, you should just, just be able to feel them beneath the skin. Obviously I don't want them sticking out or I don't want you to have to like stick your fingers in and feel for them Um, because I do have some clients that do that. They're like, I can feel them. I can feel his ribs. And you're like, yeah, but you shouldn't have to do this to feel yeah. him, poke him in the side. Um, so, yeah, lightly running your hands over the side, you should just be able to graze his ribs um, and, yeah, feel his, um, just feel that hourglass figure around the waist. Um, the other thing that we sometimes mention, um, particularly for, um, you know, like your pugs and your, your brachycephalic breeds, um, their neck, because um, they have like a really chubby neck. If they don't have like a roll of fat there, that's a good sign. You basically just want head, neck, you know, all in one line. You don't want a big fat roll there because usually that's that's where they start to accumulate fat. Um, and that affects their breathing as well, those those types of dogs too. Okay. That's actually good to know. So the pugs, the Frenchies, bulldogs, those kind of, they're not supposed to have the massive No, they should not look like their the neck. Michelin man. Yes. Yeah, exactly. They, they should not roll. <laughs> um i think that's gonna i think people are gonna be like wait what <laughs> what do you mean i thought he was really fit. i thought that was skin yeah <laughs> um so is that is that condition scoring the same for maybe some of the more stocky dogs like rottweilers or something like that 
Yeah, so at, at, I don't know about all clinics, but I know my clinic, we have a flip card that has body condition scoring and it's got one for every type of like type of dog. So it's got like a really small dog, it's got a, a, like a pug and then it's got a um, medium-sized dog and a large dog like a Rottweiler as well. So the, the body condition score is pretty much the same. It's just they've given you some examples of different dogs so that you can see what that looks like for that breed. Um, so you should still, obviously, those landmarks are still going to be the same, but it just looks slightly different in those dogs. And what would you recommend in terms of keeping track of your dog's progress? If you have like just started the weight loss journey, how, I mean, I, I'm sure it's different for every dog, but how long does the process usually take and how can you get a good guide on how you're doing? Because I'm sure with, did I say that right? No, I, I think know. that's right. I'm just I'm like, laughing because I'm yeah. thinking of how people do it. And I'm like, oh, my God, start like a weight loss uh, Instagram account for your dog <laughs> with yeah. the daily progress pictures, <laughs> a little transformation Tuesday. <laughs> well, I was just thinking because, I mean, usually in a non-pandemic time, you would just go to the vet and you would do your weigh-ins at the vet. Mm-hmm. But right mm-hmm. now, I mean, I don't really think that's an option. Yeah. Our pet store has the has a scale though too. Oh, does it? Yeah. Oh. So we we weigh them every time we go there, which is usually once a week because it's raining and we don't want to <laughs> walk in outside for an hour, okay. so we just sniff around the store. <laughs> anyway, yeah, okay. so what do you what do you think, Jess? <laughs> yeah, no, it, you're pretty pretty spot on there. Um, obviously, if you can weigh them um, weekly, that's ideal. But it, it's a really really slow process, and I always tell this to people: like, don't think your dog's going to lose a kilo in a week. It's not going to happen. It's probably going to be maybe 100 grams a week, maybe. Um, it is. It does take at least six to eight weeks to see, like, to reach a goal weight, depending on how, you know, how obese they are. Um, but I think some clients, you know, they'll sort of get maybe two to three weeks in and be like, I didn't see any change. This is rubbish. I'm just going to forget about it. Um, so setting up their expectations that, you know, it's going to be really slow. And the other thing, um, you can... What what we do in clinic, which may or may not be ideal for people at home, is is graph it. Um, so each week, just um, either if they're a small dog, you can obviously stand on the scales with them, or like you said, if they're a big dog, you can take them to the pet store if they have a scale. Um, depending on what's happening with where you guys are, um, obviously at the vet clinic with us, um, you still can come in um, and weigh your dog. Just give us a call beforehand; it's not a problem. Um, but you can also get um, a tape measure and uh, measure their waist. So um, usually that's where you see the most progress. Um, so for people at home, I usually say, do you have like a like a dressmaker's tape measure that you can put around their waist? Weigh it, uh, you know, so not, so not weigh it, <laughs> measure it um, when you start and then go from there each week, just measure it as well and write down the amounts because you'll see that they are losing weight. It just doesn't look visually like a huge mm-hmm. amount of weight. Mm-hmm. Um, and the what you said before about the transformation pics, it actually is really good though to take a before and after pic, or or at least take a before pic and then compare each cut, you know, every few weeks. Because what you might notice now to your eye, it may not look different, but when you look at photos, it does actually look quite dramatic. So, mm-hmm. I think I wish I took transformation pics for Albus when we first got him. This is back this past May, and he was a little he was a little chunky for sure. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't it wasn't obese, but I would definitely say like he was a little chunkster. And um, mm-hmm. we weren't taking him to dog parks yet, so we were mainly running with him. 
And he got slim, you know, it wasn't even something that we were super trying to do. It was just, you know, like kind of just cognizant of. And after about three months, we were like, oh, yeah, he's he looks good now. Like it was like, oh, you know, like that worked. But then it was interesting because he, he got pretty slim and he's looking great. And then we started taking him to the dog park, which was a lot is a different type of movement. Obviously, it wasn't just like the cardio running. It was um, he's going up hills more and wrestling around with dogs. And then he got started getting bulky again, but it was muscle. And yeah. and I so I just I think it would have been actually really interesting to get pictures almost at each stage. And mm. now I wish I did because then we could have posted them with this episode or something. But um, yeah, that's just another thing, I guess, to like tell people is just the different type of exercise that your dog is probably getting is going to affect the measurements and whatnot as well. And you know what? You just remind me. So you just called Albie a little chunkster, which I think is (laughs) such a cute name. But I think that's another reason of what is wrong with some of the culture today, you know, like, mm-hmm. it's my little sausage. Oh, he's a, my little <laughs> yes. chunkster. You know, there's all these very cute words for overweight. And it's maybe that has something to do with the yeah. issue. No, it's true. Because yeah. it, we tend to like personify the dogs a little bit, like, oh, you know, and just be like, oh, little chunky, it's okay. And <laughs> it's baby fat. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> He's not a baby. <laughs> He's not going to grow out of it for sure. Um, but no, that's so true. Or sometimes it's like you may have a small dog that people will be like, oh, a little chunky. Or you may have a big dog. People are like, oh, yeah, you know, he's a big boy or something. And I hate that. I hate that when people are like, oh, yeah, my dog's big. He's just a big boy. And he has like an obese lab that can't even get in the truck or something. And you're just like, mm. <laughs> He's, he's not meant to be a big boy. He's actually, you know, like a short, stocky, <laughs> overweight lab. But anyway. Would you uh, say that there's breeds that are predisposed to being overweight? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, what you mentioned there with the Labradors, they could just eat you out of house and home. <laughs> they, uh, I have seen some really, really overweight Labradors. Um, one that always sticks out in my head is we had one that was 72 kilos. Oh, my so God. Um, pounds. That's yeah. so just 2. for the 2.25 times 75. It's around 150 pounds-ish. Yeah. yeah. Something like that. Oh, my God. That's, that's huge. insane. Yeah. <laughs> that's bigger than most crazy. Rottweilers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and we had a we had a Rottweiler recently that was eighty kilos, and she was like, "Oh no, but but his dad was sixty kilos," and I'm like, "Yeah, but yes, eighty. He's like, and she was the same. She's like, "He's a big boy," and I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, but hello, like it's it's fat, it's not muscle, and you know, if if it was muscle, it wouldn't be a problem, but he's he's overweight, yeah." There's all the all the fluffy dogs too. Definitely mm. can hide. Yeah. Like people are like, "Oh no, he's just really fluffy," and <laughs> and it's like, "No, he's he's like chunky. It can barely move." Um. Oh goodness. Well, so speaking of what I was just saying, like the different exercise types creating a mm-hmm. a different type of body. Since you're the nutrition aspect of it, how do like macros fit in? Like, does it make a difference? Because we talked about calories. But then there's the whole balance of carbs, fats, proteins, too. Is there a way that we can 
do do most foods come already balanced basically or how do we i don't know how do we go yeah. about that <laughs> yeah yeah no no you are right um most commercial foods uh, they're complete and balanced so they do come balanced and and like you said with the macros that that's part of being a complete and balanced diet um with weight loss or weight loss foods or prescription weight loss foods um, they do play around with the macros, like you were saying. So they usually have quite a high percentage of protein, um, a relatively moderate percentage of fat, um, and fairly low carb. But that depends on the type of prescription um, weight management food it is for. So obviously, um, pets that are with uh, that have diabetes, they're probably going to have a very very low carb prescription diet. But uh, regular weight loss, um, it doesn't need to be low carb. It can be sort of moderate carb um, because it still acts as an energy source. Um, and usually those, um, if they're using carbs as an energy source, they're also using it as a high fiber diet, basically makes them feel fuller and they're not getting a, you know, a heck load of fat. Um, they're just getting a bunch of fiber that makes them feel full and they poop it out and they don't put on as many kilos. Um, and and high protein is, is also really helpful for that in, in like you were saying with the type of body that you get out of it. Um, essentially, you want them to make more muscle rather than store fat. So if they are running around and they're having that activity and they're having a high protein diet, they're going to put on more muscle than they are fat sitting at home. <laughs> So Izzy mentioned earlier, you know, how people sometimes attribute what's going on in the human health world to the the health of their dog. So that means, so that leads me to the question, it, there's all the, you know, there's keto and intermittent fasting and, you know, veganism and like all the stuff that people try on themselves or incorporate to their own life. And then they try on their dogs. Do those things actually help? Is there any evidence that any of those, like keto, for instance, actually makes a difference or is a possible for dogs even? Yeah, well, I, I actually had recently a, a case where um, there, there was a lady who said, oh, I've tried all of those things. And she was like, I've tried raw, I've tried keto, I've tried grain-free, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, he didn't lose any weight. And then when we delved in a bit deeper, I said to her, okay, so you said you tried keto. And she was like, yeah, and I go, okay. And she's like, well, dogs don't need carbs, so I just cut all these carbs and he, he didn't lose any weight. And I don't understand because I'm on keto and I lose weight. And I was like, okay, so let's talk about that. <laughs> um, he later on explained to me that when she cut his carbs, he went and ran out into the chook shed and ate a whole bunch of grain and a whole bunch of carbs out of the <laughs> chook's pen. So I was like, hmm. Um, Dogs don't need carbs, but they need what carbs provide, which is fiber and energy. So if you cut the carbs from a diet, they're probably still going to go and try and find that somewhere else because, or they're going to have issues because they don't have enough fiber in their diet or they don't have what that provides or enough energy or some other, um, you know, some, some grains and carbs do actually provide certain amino acids and um, certain fatty acids into the diet as well. Um, so you see other symptoms that pop up. Essentially, keto is not designed for dogs. Dogs shouldn't be on a keto diet. Dogs shouldn't really be on any diet that we're on. Um, we we manage their weight in a lot of different ways, but um, that's not one of them. Okay. Myth busted. <laughs> Bam. Yep. Don't try intermittent fasting with your dog and be like, oh, okay, it's been 18 hours. They can eat now yeah. or whatever. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't no, work. No. So 
if your dog can't increase his or her exercise and they've cut calories, what can they do to try and still continue weight loss? Yeah. So um, that one is where we sort of move into metabolic diets. So we have um, prescription diets that basically they moderate the pet's metabolism. So pets, like I said before, that are couch potatoes, um, they actually benefit from these specific diets that have something called nutraceuticals in them. Basically, what that means is they're particular active ingredients that moderate the genetics sorry, nutrigenomics is what it's called, um, and it modifies the how they express their genes. So pets that have couch potatoes all the time um, and, and they just put on the kilos, doesn't matter how much exercise you increase it by or how many calories you cut, they continue to gain weight. That's how you change their, um, you change their metabolism with these particular foods. So the, the food contains um, certain actives that change how the body reacts to food. So Pets that are really, really lazy and sit at home and don't do much will still respond to these particular types of weight loss foods. So I usually recommend changing onto that or particularly for senior dogs, you do get um, senior foods that incorporate a joint supplement. So it supports their joints. They feel a bit better and they can go for a walk. Um, and also obviously talk to your vet about pain management as well. So you still can increase their exercise or you can increase their exercise in other ways, as we were talking about with enrichment toys. Um, cutting calories on its own is usually not effective for most dogs. Um, it still comes into, into play with what type of food are you feeding? Um, is it something that's high in fat? Is it low in protein? Um, all those macros still play into it as well. So going back to the macro really quick, is Mm-hmm. Is there like a appropriate balance of the different macros? Because, you know, as you kind of mentioned, like the raw diet, a lot of people will just do like pure, like it, to me, it just looks like pure meat and obviously fat, you know, mm-hmm. and and you'll see some of the bowls like on Instagram that they create. And it's like this chicken heart with a with a, like, I don't know, beef, whatever. And then also a egg yolk and like all this kind of stuff. And I look at that and I'm like, that's just pure protein and fat. And and no shade to those people, you know, if their dog is healthy, then great. But it makes me nervous because then also the same, the flip side, it's like a lot of people say there's different types of kibbles that are way too much on the carbs. So I guess it's like, mm-hmm. how do you know what is the right balance of those different macros? Yeah, so there is, um, so in, in the textbooks that we refer to, there's things called key nutritional factors. So each condition or, you know, weight loss or weight gain or anything like that, um, that you're trying to treat has its own set of essentially macros, but also um, key nutrients that should be in the food. So if you're trying to get your pet to lose weight, there'll be a set of macros for that. Um, and it will also change depending on um, if it's a dog or a cat or if it's um, if they've got other conditions um, or if they they can't have a low-fat diet. Some dogs obviously just can't tolerate it because they've got other problems. Um, but it will give you a set um, range on what you should look for in your food. So you can refer back to that when you're assessing your food if it actually fits that macro profile. So um, I, I have this on my blog as well. People can go and have a look at the actual um, amounts that they should be looking at when they look at the back of a packet. Mm for weight loss um, because 
some commercial foods, like you said, they might be too high in fat or they might be too high in carb or um, there may be things in there. One that I, I have seen is um, coconut oil. Um, coconut oil is so high in fat um, and I don't think people realise that, um, you know, it sounds really nice and it's apparently got a lot of benefits, but it's really, really, really high in fat, particularly for dogs because they, um, they don't metabolize it the same way we do. So it just goes straight to their hips. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, again, looking at those things, um, what percentage of fat you want, what percentage of protein you want, and basically what's going to get the result um, for your pet's condition. Okay. That was really helpful. We'll make sure that we link that post as well so people can yeah. take a look. Because I think for me, just going through the the pet store and trying to figure out a food that fits with his allergies – first of all, for Lupin, and then also fits the macros that I would be aiming for for him. Some of them are just so high in protein that Mm -hmm. I'm like, I know that he actually doesn't do well with that because it upsets his stomach when it's too high in protein. But there's, it's like people jump on the trend of, oh, it's grain free and super high in protein. So, and it's just, I don't know, I feel very boxed in sometimes. So I like, I like the idea of knowing the numbers I should be aiming for at least. Yeah. Um, Last question submitted by a listener. So my dog is always hungry. He acts like he's starving, but he's overweight. What do I do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's a really, really hard one because um, it. I think that's probably the most common thing that I come across in practice is everyone's like, but I tried everything and it didn't work. So if they're begging, they may or may not be begging because they're hungry. I know. I know everyone thinks it's food. It's not always food. Um, sometimes it's just boredom. Um, and we then reward that boredom with here's a treat. So they then learn if I beg, I get a treat. Yay, I'm bored. I want to eat. It's just like us at home. If we're watching TV and we're bored, we're shoveling chips <laughs> in our mouth and we're not really thinking about mm-hmm. it. Pets are the same. It, and sometimes you just need to sort of go, maybe let's go for a walk. Maybe let's throw a ball outside because it's just changing that mentality between um yeah I I just reward my begging with food um I think the other thing again going back to enrichment toys um they're super helpful with keeping their mind engaged and it gives them something to do rather than beg um and there's also foods again that are designed for that um for basically dimming that um I want food I want food mentality again um, there's foods that basically they're, they're called um, satiety foods and they basically just make your pet feel full so they don't go looking for food all the time. Um, again, super high fiber is usually the main reason um, for that. Um, and yeah, you can still give them treats, but give them low calorie treats like a bit of carrot or a bit of their own kibble. You can, if you are feeding them kibble and you know that their um, amount for the day is um, 200 grams or however much you've measured out you can measure that out and then take a portion of that with you to go for a walk and give them a treat or give them a treat when you're sitting at the dinner table just have that um, amount measured out for you to just go here you go blah 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 um, rather than trying to work out in your brain oh but he's already had six treats today I don't want to give him any more and he's still begging and he's annoying me you can you can have that amount set out perfect that is good to know you know what the more we talk the more I'm like I need someone to be my yeah. nutrition person. <laughs> like, oh, here is your daily amount. Oh, you're hungry. You want a treat? Here you go. You can have that. It's, yeah. it's coming out of your dinner. <laughs> Where's my caretaker that yes. manages my exercise okay. and my diet? And yeah. Yeah. 
that's what I need. Yeah. Um, I think that was all of our questions. Did you have any last ones? No, I think, yeah, I think we asked them all. Yeah. Perfect. I actually did have a question that just popped into my head. Um, yes, Izzy. <laughs> <laughs> um, what would you say the most common secondary symptoms of being obese are? What's the, pri- what's the first one? Like the second, like, I mean, the f- secondary to being obese. Like, what? Oh, okay. Ish- you maybe said symptoms. symptoms. So no, maybe symptoms like was the wrong word. Two. Okay, okay. Oh, okay, yeah. let me rephrase that question. So what, uh, how do I say that question? You probably said it right. I just probably I interpreted. Right? What, what are the, what are the yeah. top, like, what are symptoms? the top secondary issues that come from being obese for yeah. a dog? <laughs> Yeah. There we go. <laughs> Top <Got it>. secondary. <laughs> yeah, we got, we got there, yeah. Yeah, um so look the most common that I see is um is usually joint problems. Um and the second would be anal glands. Mm. Um so blocked anal glands are a very, very common one. Um a lot of people don't associate the two. They're just like, Oh, he has he's always had anal gland problems. Yes, but when they're overweight there's more fat around the tail base than the anus and they can't express as well. And usually if they're overweight, they may be on a low-fiber diet, which also contributes to the anal gland issues. So it's kind of all one in the same. The joint issues, again, similar with people, if you're carrying more weight, you're putting more pressure on your joints, so you develop arthritis because there's more rubbing and, and motion that's, that's exacerbating that problem as well. Um, yeah, I think those are the main two that I tend to see the most of. Hmm. Very interesting. Yeah, the anal glands, that... That's a really it, good one. Yeah, makes yeah. sense. I never thought about it that way. The more mm. you know, guys. Yeah. Um, okay, well, I think that is yeah, officially... that is actually it now. The, the last promise. of our questions. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, Jess, well, this has been so helpful. Where, if people want to um, read your blog posts, follow you on Instagram, all of that, where can they connect with you? Yeah, so they can read my blog post on nutrition. Uh, sorry, nutritionrvn.com, um, and I'm nutritionrvn on Instagram and Twitter. Perfect, great. And if any of you listeners want to find us, you can follow us at With a Dog Podcast on uh, Instagram, and you can join our Facebook group, which is called I'm With a Dog. And you can find us on TikTok. We, I'm still, I'm still figuring TikTok out. You can find us, but. It's if not there interesting will be videos, right now. Who knows? Um, <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> I'm like a true millennial who can't figure it out. It's fine. It's fine. Don't worry. Um, and yeah, give us a review on Apple Podcasts as well if you have an iPhone. And we'll see you next week. Toodles. Bye. All content on With a Dog Podcast is for informational purposes only and should not replace professional advice, treatment, or diagnosis by a certified veterinarian, trainer, or behaviorist.